once again to our Brooklyn Bites, episode 68. I mean, Stephanie. I'm Leon. You sure? Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> I checked. So what have you been up to? Uh, this and that. All right, a little bit of this. Yeah. And a little bit of that. Sure. Uh, I, uh, you know, I've been watching a lot of movies and stuff lately, but um, also managed to play a game or two. And so consuming entertainment. That's right. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, you know, entertainment uh, consumer on okay. a grand scale. <laughs> uh, but somehow I found the time to play uh, yet another Star Wars game. Uh, managed to finish out the Super Nintendo trilogy mm. of, of of games based on the original films from mm-hmm. you know the original three. There's a lot of Star Wars games for you now. That's right. Yeah. There's quite a few. Uh, But this time I did Super Return of the Jedi on the Super Nintendo system. And, uh, you know, I figured, why not? Might as well just get it out of the way because it's going to burn at me until I finish it. Well, you did two of them, so... I wanted to reduce the burn and get to it sooner than later. Um, So this game was released back in 1994. It was, um, you know, a year after the previous game. And then, you know, each, each of those games were released about a year apart. Mm-hmm. So Super Star Wars was 92, Empire was 93, and uh, Super Turn of the Jedi in 94. Uh, developed once again by Sculptured Software and published by JVC. The game was also uh, reprinted by THQ. Never really noticed that before, but... There are some versions of the so game that really, have THQ branding on it. Two versions? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so at this title screen, Salacious Crumb, Jabba the Hutt's little monkey pet or mm. whatever that thing is. It's kind of a part lizard, part monkey sort of a thing. I don't know really that, know what that it is. Had a very heavy Jim Henson Muppet feel to it. It was definitely a Muppet. Right. <laughs> it was definitely a Jim Henson uh, creation, I believe. Uh, or at least, you know, Jim Henson's company mm-hmm. uh, did all the the puppetry for the movie uh so he's he's there he's laughing away you hear him constantly laughing at you uh but it doesn't quite sound like the original voice for some reason it doesn't have that same tone that it mm. had in the movie it sounds more like a woman having like a really heavy belly laugh mm. <laughs> you know okay slightly different um but anyway after the opening text crawl that you get like very similar to the movie Nice rendition of the opening scene, uh, an Imperial shuttle launching from a Star Destroyer towards the new Death Star, and a little cinematic of Darth Vader, like, addressing his uh, his troops or his officers. And they switch over to, uh, you know, Han Solo being rescued by his friends, because he was, of course, a, you know, he was captured at the end of Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. so, so they're trying to get Han back from Jabba. And they fudge the story a little bit here. They say that, you know, that, that Luke, Leia, and Chewie are traveling to Jabba's palace to rescue Han. And the reason they do that is because you have a choice of characters that you can use. Um, they give you a, a choice of, of any of those. Uh, but before you get to that, the opening stage in the game is, is a Mode 7 vehicle stage right away. Uh, rather than the so usual, they started with that. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So rather than the, the usual, I mean, wow. the game for the most part is a side-scrolling, run-and-gun type yeah. of game. <laughs> but rather than than start with that, you know, you get um, 
you know, a, a mode seven, uh, screen or level where you have to uh, control this, um, this land speeder to get to the mm. palace. And interestingly, the manual actually describes the mode seven level controls that you use for, for controlling the vehicles without explaining what that means. It seems like mode seven was just a thing that every player knew what that meant back then. Yeah. Cause they didn't attempt to even describe what that was in relation to. Um, but I guess they gave the players a lot of credit for knowing what that meant. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a pretty short stage. You just guide this speeder over, um, the canyons of Tatooine, just avoiding some rocks and other obstacles. Uh, the speeder itself doesn't look like anything from any of the movies. I think they just went with an original design there, but you do get to the next stage where you have your character selection of Luke, Chewie, or Leia. And Leia, interestingly, is in her boosh bounty hunter disguise. What's that? <laughs> so she's she's portraying she she kind of shows up at the palace in disguise as a bounty hunter named okay. Boosh. <laughs> this was in the movie. This was in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, okay. I don't remember that. I picked Leia because it was a new character that I wasn't able to mm. control before, and I wanted to see how she handled. Um, she has a staff. And she has a similar type of somersault type of attack that, that Luke's spinning lightsaber move is very similar to. Uh, so it's pretty good for handling most of the enemies. I, of course, stay near the top of the level as much as possible because I feel like that's where all the good stuff is. <laughs> uh, you know, hopping over floating platforms rather than try to run along the ground where there's like more enemies. So here, along with desert creatures and falling rocks, um, hostile Jawas are present, of course. And uh, a lot of the familiar items from the previous games are also available. The classic health sword is, oh, okay. is you available. Oh, okay. talked about that. Uh, you get Vader helmets for, as point multipliers. Um, you get uh, thermal detonators, which you use as like temporary little um, screen clearing kind of a weapon to get, get rid of a bunch of enemies at a time. Uh, but I noticed a few new pickup items here, including a shield that spins around you, and it mm -hmm. will like hit enemies, and it will slowly get eroded as it hits your enemies. So sort of like that Smash TV power up that yeah, you pick up. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. That spins around mm -hmm. you, and you know it hits the enemy, and you know little by little you lose all of it. Um, you also get uh, something that looks like a speed multiplier, which lets you run across the screen very quickly. Mm. Um, I don't know that this is particularly useful most of the time. Uh, maybe it's good when you have the shield as well, and then you can sort of bypass a Blast whole bunch of enemies. It, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of good. Maybe it lets you do like a long jump in a certain situation where it might not be possible otherwise. Um, your character moves a little bit like Sonic the Hedgehog when it's all powered up. You know, when, when Sonic is like running really fast, it's mm -hmm. kind of like that. So not not much control. When you're in that mode, it uh, doesn't really last that long anyway. Um, and you also see R2-D2 once in a while, and R2 acts as a checkpoint. So. Okay. Now, is this the first time you've seen R2 in the game? Like in, so. the, in the prior mm -hmm. two games? I don't remember you talking about R2. Yeah, okay. I don't think so. I think... Uh, Surprising. Yeah, they added that. So I eventually make my way to the palace entrance. Um, the first boss encounter is, is here. It's... Uh, sort of the you see this enemy sort of in the mo in the movie but it's not even really, really a movie uh an enemy in the movie um this is sort of a supercharged version of the eyeball that sticks out of the wall when you first oh, when yeah. when c3po and r2d2 first get to 
Jabba's palace and it sort of like talks to them and and um in this version uh it's the size of like a wrecking ball and it mm-hmm. has like an electrical attack um that even like when it zaps you you see your skeleton so your your <laughs> character gets very easily zapped by this thing and it also smashes into you and i managed to defeat it just by just sort of keeping my distance and using these charge attacks that um you know, let you fire like an energy bolt of some kind. And you're playing as Leia now? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And once you get past the entrance, the next stage is Jabba's dance hall. You're in um, basically the area where Jabba entertains himself and, mm-hmm. and his uh, his little entourage. And I picked Luke for this one. Uh, I just wanted to see how, you know, how that handled. Oh, so you're able to switch? Now, can you switch on the fly or you have no, to? No, you okay. switch at the, you pick a character at the beginning of the stage mm. and some stages it's forced some some of them you don't have a choice it'll still show you a character select screen but sometimes there's only one choice okay um but in this situation i'm using luke and you see various members of jabba's palace attacking um salacious crumb is here uh you see gamorian guards those big green sort of pig-like looking Mm -hmm. creatures uh you see a mini rancor that jumps jumps out of a trap door and the Rancor is this big monster that Jabba keeps that he feeds, um, you know, his enemies too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's miniature versions here that will jump out. Uh, very nice background scenery on this stage. Uh, I start picking up more force powers as I go along here. Um, the interesting thing is that it seems like Luke has all of his force powers in this game already. You don't have to acquire them. But you, just, you still have to pick up you know, like, uh, kind of energy to use, be able to use it. So you pick up like little force power-ups to be able to use your power. <laughs> uh, many background characters show up here as well. Uh, there's one called Reese that I'm f- is familiar to me mm-hmm. from, from the action figure line. He's got a giant, uh, spike boulder that he throws at you. He's also got a choke attack. If he manages to get a hold of you, he grabs you by your neck. Um, these uh, Twilight dancers are jumping around. These these girls that he uses as, as like uh, dancers. Were they in the movie? Uh, yeah, there was okay. one in the movie that he used. Um, but they show up more often here. Uh, another guy who's got kind of like a squid-like head. Which in Star Wars lore, these these creatures are called Quarrens, <laughs> <laughs> and um, they're from the same planet as the Mon Calamari, who are. Uh, Calamari? Admiral, like, Admiral Akbar's people. Okay. They, they share a planet together. Yeah. You're not familiar with them, I guess. I guess not. <laughs> you know Admiral Akbar. Yes. <laughs> right. the, the trap guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Uh, so the, the boss fight at the end of this stage is with Bib Fortuna, who is uh, basically, uh, he's almost like Jabba's like, lieutenant or something. He's like his, his second in command. Um, he can fi- He's got these long tentacles coming out of his the back of his head hmm. very similar to this uh the twilight dancer girl that i mentioned before uh same race and in this one though they can he can fire from the ends of these tentacles which is not something that was uh, possible to do in the movie uh you can deflect those back at him using your lightsaber and there's a big explosion when i beat him I don't know why he's so explosive <laughs> but uh han is freed and you know you attempt to escape with him, but of course you hear Jabba laughing in the background, and he kind of moves into view. And um, of course, you have more more stuff to beat before you can escape. How does Jabba move around? 
Well, he's got this platform that he sits on. Yeah. And it kind of hovers. Ah, okay. So he's like just laid out. He's like a big slug? He's like a... Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's not very mobile on his own, but mm-hmm. but he's got this platform that, that he can move around on. And um, the next stage is, you know, still in Jabba's palace. It's a large underground area. It's a lot of the same enemies and, um, you know, that you've seen already. And some traps here as well. And the boss is this giant frog thing that is spitting out, like, miniature frogs at you. Uh, not terribly difficult. No, that's not from the movie, right? I don't remember that. No, not really. Okay. The only hint you get of something like this is there's one scene in the movie where Jabba, like, plucks this frog out of, like, a little bowl. Mm-hmm. And he just pops it into his mouth. Oh, okay. As, like, a snack. So it's probably based on that. Mm. Uh, so once you beat this frog thing, you, you face Jabba himself and, uh, in, in the Rancor pit, which is where he throws people to meet their, their untimely demise, uh, it's kind of below his throne room. Now, since Han was an option for this stage, I picked Han Solo. Just wanted to see how that went. This is underground again. This is supposed to be the Rancor pit, you know, like right, right where, uh, Luke originally fought the Rancor in the movie. But this is much more expanded. Uh, there's lots of volcano, miniature volcano-like traps here. There's these big skulls that can snap at you. Uh, there's like slime creatures and bats and more of these baby rancors that are fire-breathing, which is a- another <laughs> new thing. And there's a lot of like bone-like structures that you have to break through to be- continue progressing through the level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's Gamorrean guards here, too. Which I don't know. I think they looked a little different. I think they were they were maybe uh, they had like red vests or something. I don't know if that means they were harder versions of the guards. Um, I don't know if these were like more elite types. <laughs> but getting sent to the Rancor pit doesn't seem like a good assignment if you're a Gamorrean guard. So probably <laughs> one of them got eaten during the movie too. So you probably don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rancor himself is the big boss. He also breathes fire. That's not something that they did in the movie, but using Han's blaster, I was able to to beat him pretty easily. I didn't think it was that challenging. But, of course, Jabba's not done with us. Now we have to um, uh, attack Jabba's sail barge. This is where Jabba in the film was taking Han Solo to be, and, and all the rebels that he captured, to be uh, sacrificed into the uh the big the sarlacc pit in the, oh is that what it was yeah in the desert it's called okay mm-hmm. that's with the big worm that comes out uh or it just opens up like teeth and everything it's just it's just like it's just this open mouth okay. kind of a thing in the in the desert you don't want to fall on that right right okay exactly uh but you don't see it in this game at all you, you just you just uh, you just have like the sail barge portion and here uh you have to hop from one sand skiff to the next this is like these floating kind of barges that that java uses to to travel around in and uh you eventually get to the main barge and i use luke's force freeze power pretty often here he this is he's just able to immobilize enemies and and you know kill them very easily but it's very easy to fall off the ledges and off to the bottom of the screen for an instant death so a lot of tricky platforming here there's laser cannons there's hidden spikes Hmm. that try to throw you off. There's, like, a lot of skiff guards that get in the way. Um, The boss is this large beast that swings this ball and chain. Mm -hmm. 
the, attack, the attack pattern, though, is pretty predictable, so it wasn't that hard to beat. But then you get into the actual sail barge in the next stage. And the choices of characters here are either Han, uh, Chewie, or Leia. <laughs> and I went with Leia again. Han, Chewie, or Leia, but no, no Luke. Right. Sorry. Yeah, I wonder why. So you never get to play as C-3PO or R2-D2? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, C-3PO is not really a combat droid. <laughs> <laughs> why not? And, and neither is R2. You can't hold a gun? Uh, his, his limbs don't like He's always very stiff and can barely walk, <laughs> it seems. So, yeah, no, no, that would be a bad choice if it was a choice. <laughs> um... I, you know, it's funny. I didn't. I didn't choose Chewie in any part of this game. I just didn't. I didn't like how he handled in the previous game. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't. It was never my first choice. But I want to see if Leia changed at all here. So in this in this stage, he, she is in her um, his, her outfit as Jabba's slave. This is the point where Jabba captures Leia and puts her in that slave girl outfit. In that beautiful pixel art. <laughs> right, you could barely tell. But in this case, her we- her main weapon is this chain whip. I guess she broke her shackles and mm-hmm. is using that as like a whip okay. to attack enemies. Uh, she can also kind of do this spinning pirouette uh, type of move. Uh, there's a lot of rolling barrels here. There's steam pipes that you know shoot jets at you. Uh, there's pits that open up. There's more guards. So it's a pretty busy stage. The boss, of course, is Jabba himself. You know, he's on this this platform and. He he's vomiting up those frogs. <laughs> he's oh, like, really? Yeah. He's like belching those frogs up at you. And um, see, look what you did to him. He's got it. indigestion. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, he's all funny- stressed out. And you came in there. <laughs> well, he, you know, in, in the film, Leia like actually kills him with her chain. She chokes him. She chokes him mm-hmm. out. Uh, but uh, in this one, it's a little different. Uh, the way he's presented, he, he sort of reminds me of those one of the first bosses that you encounter in Alien Syndrome, if you've ever played that. There's like mm. there's like a human-like head on like this slug-like creature yeah. with like this tail. And uh, Jabba, for some reason, just kind of looks that way to me in this game. And after you beat him, he explodes as well. And the whole sail barge explodes. Oh, Everything yeah. just blows up in this game when you <laughs> beat it. <laughs> uh, but of course, after that, it's off to... The forest moon of Endor, where the new Death Star is being assembled. So the rebels infiltrate the you know the moon, and of course you get uh, a speeder bike chase here. And this is you know is this mode seven? Yeah, indeed, okay. it is uh, another chase through you know sort of going like a, sort of from a three D perspective. You kind of go into the screen, and uh, it's fairly simple. Uh, you just have to pretty much just avoid the trees and shoot down the other, the other speeder bikes. How did it look? It looked okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess for what it was, yeah. Uh, it 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 looked fairly simple. I mean, the background looked fairly static, and then you didn't have that many trees to avoid. They were pretty noticeable, so you had plenty of time to kind of get out of the way. Sometimes a speeder bike would go past you and then turn around and come towards you again. Mm-hmm. But that was the extent of the stage. It wasn't really that complicated. Uh, you then, of course, get to the Ewok village, because, of course, the forest moon is the home to the Ewoks. <laughs> and at the Ewok village, you get a new character to play with, which uh, is surprising, and it's your only choice available. You get to play as Wicket, which is one of the oh, man. <laughs> one of the Ewoks. <laughs> 
He's got this tiny bow and arrow weapon. Uh-huh. I forgot all about that character. Mm-hmm. And the neat thing is that you can use the arrows as uh, stepping platforms. So you can shoot arrows okay. into the tree mm-hmm. and kind of use them to spring up to higher it's levels. It's like Quackshot on Genesis. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It reminds me very much of that mechanic. So he says that, you know, they need help against the Empire. Somehow he's able to communicate. <laughs> I guess C-3PO provides translation services. Hmm. Uh, but the village looks overrun with wild animals to me. Most of the enemies here are just forest creatures that you have to fight off. It's pretty much a vertical climb up a tree, and you eventually do get uh, some biker scouts, some imperial you know, biker scouts there. Uh, and then a very easy boss fight, which is just this droid on a hover bike. I don't, I don't know. I've never seen this design before. The droid kind of looks like one of Jabba's droids, uh, one of the ones called EV-99, and it's actually identified as a female droid. <laughs> She's known as EV. What? <laughs> exactly. Why does that matter? I don't know. Uh, it's it's uh, one of the droids that manages droid, you know, like Jabba's droid pool. That's, uh, okay. that's, that's, it. that's their role. But it look, I don't think it was literally that same droid because... This is a different planet. But it looks very similar. At least the design is based on that. Uh, The next stage is more Ewok Village. Wicket continues further on. His idle animation is pretty funny, I noticed. Mm -hmm. He alternates between yawning, uh, (laughs) look, you know, tooting his battle horn. He takes like a little horn that he, that he, you know, blows out. Um, A little, like, battle tune. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh... Occasionally, he will fish around in his fur and look for a snack. And you see him pop some kind of a snack into oh, his mouth. Weird. I know. Maybe it's bugs. I could be. <laughs> uh, it, at first, though, it's not too clear which way to go in this stage. I tried going straight across, but I get to this swamp area, which I can't get across. It's like too far of a jump. So I use that arrow trick to create a ladder to go up the tree. And um, I do eventually get to another swamp that I can get across by hopping across some logs. And, of course, there's, like, piranha-like fish that are jumping out of the water Mm. trying to kill you. (laughs) Um, The most annoying enemies here were these large pots. They were, like, these large ceramic pots full of frogs. And they will keep ejecting more frogs onto the screen unless you destroy the pot. More frogs? More frogs. Okay. So this is a very persistent enemy in this game. Uh, Luckily, you can destroy it. There's also... Giant snakes around and like a giant praying mantis-like creature. Um, usually you can hit them from below with your bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you don't really have to face them. Another easy boss fight at the end of this, which is with this green jungle cat, which is fire-breathing for some reason. I don't know what it so is. So a lot of the stuff is just made up for the game. It seems like it. Mm-hmm. A lot of these random creatures seem just, you know, kind of created just for the game. Now, how are you noticing the difficulty so far? Compared to because I know you had a tough time with Empire. Yeah, overall, I'd say it's not as bad. Mm. I'd, I think this game, maybe they toned it down a little bit. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it doesn't seem quite as manic as some of the, you know, some of the stuff that I ran into in the previous game. Okay. Yeah, so after this, you're, you're back as Luke, and Luke decides he has to confront Darth Vader. He has that scene in the movie where he says, I have to go meet Vader. And uh, there's, you know, there's little cutscenes that occur in between the stages. Um, they're usually not animated, usually just still scenes with some text. <clears throat> and um, this stage looks a bit like um, the landing pad where the Imperial shuttle 
lands on Endor near near the force field generator for the, the Death Star. Mm-hmm. So on this moon is where the Empire has built a force field to protect the Death Star as it's being built. And uh, that becomes a target for the rebels. They have to destroy this 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 generator so that you know the the attack on the Death Star can occur. Um, now, does the generator have its own force field too? Um, no, <laughs> oddly enough. See, they mis misthought about that. They should right. They learn their lesson. It's always some flaw. Yeah. It's always a critical flaw that can be exploited. So, uh, Luke's force jump from the previous game would have been really useful here because there's a lot of you know platforms to get across. Uh, but it seems like they removed that ability for this game. Mm. Um, oh, for the whole game. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he has that ability here. But the boss is, at the end of the stage, is not terribly difficult. It's some type of hovering transport vehicle that releases these heavily armored-looking stormtrooper-type... Now, I don't know if they're actually stormtroopers or if they're just droids. It's not too clear. Mm. But I think they look more like stormtroopers to me. Um, Now, you know, after beating that, you're now in space... And on this stage, you're, this is another Mode 7 stage. Um, I'm in the Millennium Falcon now, and I am manning the, the Top Gunner, uh, like, nest. So basically, the Falcon has, like, a gun on top and a gun on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, from this perspective, you're kind of on top. So you're just shooting down TIE Fighters, I guess, to buy more time for the shield generator to be destroyed. It's a pretty simple uh, space shooter stage, and it's possible to sort of it's it's kind of your controls are kind of circular, so you can kind of spin around in place, um, and you can spin like 360 degrees around, and the ship kind of rotates around you as you do that. So it's kind of a, just a nice effect. Um, the stage itself is not terribly challenging; uh, just you know shooting down Tie Fighters, pretty simple. <clears throat> You do have to, um, you're now back on the ground for the next stage, and you have to, you know, actually attack the power generator to blow it up. And I choose Leia for this stage again, just to see if her outfit keeps mm-hmm. changing. Yeah, does it? <laughs> and, is, uh, is it the same? Indeed, she has a new outfit. She's wearing her green Endor fatigues in this mm. one. Okay. Uh, lots of stormtroopers. They pay attention to detail like that. Yeah, no, I like that a lot mm-hmm. because that was one of my complaints from yeah. the previous game, mm-hmm. where Luke had the same outfit throughout the whole game. You know, he also had very similar sort of outfit changes throughout the movie, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the planet they were on and the environment. You know, but it's nice that they added that for this game. So the background here is pretty cool too. Um, it represents the sort of the generator. There's like a scene in the movie where they break into the bunker leading to the generator and you see off in the distance like this like kind of green energy like you know rippling through the background and um yeah it's recreated here pretty nicely uh now overall this there's not too many secret areas in this game uh but there is a section on this level where you can like shoot these bricks that can break apart and uh if you progress further into this area there's a lot of blaster upgrades here so anybody who can any character that can use a gun uh, you can upgrade the blaster to have different effects and uh, that's pretty useful Uh, but the bricks also highlight another common video game problem that i've noticed Mm -hmm. and that is that sometimes you can't shoot something that's directly in front of you because your gun arm will clip through the object 
and the location of your gun is past the thing that you're trying to shoot. And sometimes you don't have enough room to back up to be able to shoot it. So you're, that's, uh, I'm trying to blast through these bricks, but the problem is that I'm like too close to it. And you know, my, my gun is at the other on the other side of the bricks and I, I have to kind of try to back up without falling and, you know, try to break through. It's a weird issue. It tends to happen in a lot of games I've noticed, you know, where just, you know, the, the clipping is, is, is your enemy <laughs> rather than whatever it is you're trying to shoot at. Um, there's a section where there's these platforms that are rotating around these laser cannons. Very easy to just fall off and <laughs> drop to your death. Uh, the boss is the shield generator itself. The, the, the generator that you were asking about. <laughs> yeah. Does it fight you? Uh, you do have to fight it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, you have to. So basically, there's a, there's like platforms that are falling from the bottom of the screen, and you have to constantly jump from platform to platform to stay like level with the generator mm-hmm. and to try to shoot it. And meanwhile, it's firing energy at you too. So um, you know, if you shoot it enough, it'll eventually blow up. Especially if you have those blaster upgrades, it's pretty effective. Uh, <laughs> um, so on the next level, you're actually on the Death Star itself as luke uh you're making you know your way through various areas this wasn't really represented in the movie in any way this is i guess just another thing that they made up for this game uh it's pretty straightforward the the boss encounter is those armored troopers that uh, i mentioned from before but now you have like two of them to fight uh and after that like um the Falcon actually begins its run on the Death Star because you destroyed the shield generator already. So now it's the rebel attack is able to commence. <laughs> and the Falcon is flying along the surface, shooting down TIE fighters. And I'd say this stage is among the better Mode 7 scenarios that I've played throughout any of these games. Okay. It just looks good and uh, handles well, and it's not like overly difficult. You know, It's, it's just enjoyable to mm-hmm. play. So I thought that was nice. pretty good. Uh, the next area, though, is um, called the Tower, and this is, I guess, where uh, the Emperor is uh, is housed, and, you know, it's kind of, that's where his, like, throne room is, but, you know, you, of course, have to do more platforming to get there. The scenery is just very similar to that end uh, stage in the movie. I call it a stage in the movie, but it's the, it's the end theme, it's the end uh, scene where you know, Luke and Vader fight and, you know, also leads to a confrontation with the Emperor himself. Um, another, another fight with one of those heavy, uh, trooper, uh, types is, is there, but, um, then you have to fight one of the Emperor's guards. Uh, the Emperor has an Imperial guard that protects him. It's like his personal... in the movie, right? Uh Uh-huh. You do see them. They don't really do much other than stand around. Mm -hmm. But in this game... You have to fight one of them in blue robes, and um, he can use his staff to electrify the floor, and he also has this dash attack, but he goes down pretty fast. I guess he doesn't have that much health, so he was pretty easy to beat, and the next part is a confrontation with uh, Vader himself. Uh, after a few Imperial Guards, uh, this time they are wearing red robes, which is the way they appeared in the movie, uh-huh. uh, but uh, the fight with Vader begins... He is pretty tough, but I used uh, the Force Saber ability a lot because he flies around the room a lot. And with Force Saber, you're able to throw your lightsaber and it kind of spins around like a boomerang. 
And I was able to hit Vader while he's flying in the air with that several times. So he flies? Yeah, he can, like, kind of, you know, use, like... Like, a, levitate sort of? Yeah, I mean, okay. you know, it's supposed to be, like, the Force helping him oh, like, yeah. jump around uh-huh. and stuff, but... Um, Does he make the breathing sound? Uh, Did you notice don't that? don't really hear it too mm-hmm. much. Yeah, I'm surprised. But, of course, uh, after you, you know, defeat Vader the way you're supposed to, you have to face off against the Emperor, and this feels almost like a Castlevania type of a fight with like, a, you know, like it's that style of boss battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the emperor flies around a lot also somehow, <laughs> uh, but he's using force lightning attacks. He's got those like beams of lightning that he can fire from his, from his hands. And luckily there's a lot of containers with force power ups in the room. So I'm able to replenish my force powers during the fight. The challenging part here is that chunks of the stage are getting blown away by the lightning that he's firing. So it's very easy to sort of, you know, if if the fight goes on long enough, there's Mm going to be large gaps in the floor and you can fall through and you lose a life if that happens. So you probably want to avoid doing that, but... And if you die, you have to start the fight over or does this pop you right back in the battle? Um, I think you start the fight over because I don't Mm -hmm. think there's anything else in this stage that leads pretty much the fight is, is the whole stage. But, you know, after defeating the Emperor, he falls to his doom. Kind of like you see that that same section where Vader comes to your aid and throws him down this pit. But you don't actually see that in this game. Um, The final moments with Vader are shown with him with taking his helmet off and you get to see Vader's face. And, uh, of course, that's not the end, though, even though you've kind of beaten the final boss in the game. Yeah. Uh, the, the movie's plot <laughs> requires you to fly the Millennium Falcon into the into the Death Star structure to try to destroy the the reactor at mm-hmm. the core. <laughs> you have to do this, even though you just fought. Yes, Vader. it is left to you. But at this point, why would you even have to destroy the Death Star if there's no one alive anymore? Uh, well, you've defeated, you know, you've cut the head off of the snake, but mm-hmm. the body is still active, okay. so you have to you have to make this... Destroy everything. Destroy the weapon. Um, you can't help these people? Maybe you can give them jobs and try to... There's <laughs> a lot of people you're going to be killing here. I think Kevin Smith made a point about this. Yeah. He, one of, on one of the, you know, one of the uh, sort of uh, commentaries on Star Wars during... I don't. It was during, I think, one of the Clark's movies, where he says, "Like, hey, what's the deal? These guys on the Death Star, you know, the first Death Star. It's okay to blow up the first Death Star because these it was manned by the Imperial Army. You know, these were mm-hmm. all bad guys. But the second Death Star, it was still under construction when they blew it up. Yeah, a lot of- so they probably had a lot of contractors working there. That's right to help get it done. So a lot of these guys were probably innocent. Mm-hmm. They got blown up just for just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but I don't know if that analysis quite makes sense to me, but uh, that was the argument. Well, anyway, so you have to fly in, and this stage is the beginning of the pain in this game. Oh, okay. <laughs> because um, basically the effect of flying through the tunnels to reach the core is achieved by scaling the background um, towards you. Right, so you have sort of a first-person perspective piloting the Millennium Falcon, but you don't have any like sort of uh, idea of what your boundaries are. You just see the tunnels coming at you, mm-hmm. right? So you don't know where the edge of your ship is, or you know you don't see a cockpit or anything like that. You don't even see a ship on the screen. Okay, so it's a little difficult to try to stay centered, and there's Tie Fighters flying past you, and you have to try to shoot them. 
and you have to hope they drop enough health and shields that you survive through this encounter because as you blow them up you do get power up so you're able to kind of recover but you know this part is actually not as hard as the next one because i'm able to get to the end and blow up the reactor core but then of course you have to exit the death star now you've blown up the reactor but now you have to escape and there's a scene in the movie where you know they're flying back out and now flames are like traveling behind you to try to you know engulf the ship yeah and you have to use like the b button here to boost forward you know, while the flames... So so you see the screen getting hotter. It's turning, like, slightly more orange. And it's supposed to simulate the flames, like, reaching up to the ship to try okay. to catch up. But it goes on, like, way too long, I feel. And it's pretty difficult. Now, as you're flying, you have to, what, avoid the walls or something? You have to, like, steer the ship. Okay. And you can rotate your view with the shoulder buttons to sort of try to align your ship with the tunnel. You sort of don't really have to because, you know... I mean, it makes it a little easier because some parts are like, like it's more narrow going one way than the other. Mm -hmm. So if you sort of straighten out your ship a little bit, it might help. But I just found it very difficult to try to stay centered. It's, um, you know, because the tunnel twists slightly, you know, but meanwhile, you have to boost to stay ahead of the flames too. Um, So it's really just hard in general, just to know how much room you have to work with. Um, But... After many retries, I eventually escape. Do get the little fireworks show over Endor, you know, signifying, you know, the end of the movie and the victory over the Empire. (laughs) You get a little rendition of the Ewoks, like little Yubnub theme that they play, the little song. Uh, The song that was replaced in the special editions of the movie. Yeah. Why? (laughs) Because they wanted to use different music. Okay. (laughs) Or, you know. Because Lucas went mad. I don't know. It's just one of those things that people dislike about the special editions of the movie. Uh, But yeah, overall, I mean, the the music in the game was pretty good. It was pretty good renditions of a lot of the familiar themes that you get throughout the the film. Uh, But that one was just kind of (laughs) funny. It was one of the more humorous themes in the movie, so Mm -hmm. I kind of liked hearing it there. So yeah, I mean, that was the end of the game, and... You know, the game did get released uh, on the Wii Virtual Console in 2009. Mm. I think that was really the only other way to, to play this game legitimately, um, apart from the original Super Nintendo cartridge. Yeah. Isn't it surprising they never released the one cart with all three? Like yeah. they do it Ninja Gaiden and... Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, maybe that would have been too expensive. Probably. Um, I mean, again, much like the other games, these are very common games. Not hard to get. Uh, loose cart is five to ten dollars on eBay, and you can get a complete version for about fifteen or twenty. Mm. So not terribly rare or hard no. to get at all. I didn't really see any difference between the THQ version versus the JVC version. Oh, okay, like price wise. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't really see that. I saw both versions offered for about the same price. Now, oddly enough, there were ports of this game for the Game Boy and the Game Gear. Okay. Super Return of the Jedi. Uh, not, it was kind of unique in that way. I don't remember it on Game Gear. I sort of mm-hmm. remember a Game Boy version. Yeah. And it's it's it just very loosely follows. Um, Whereas the other the two stuff. games did not get ports, right? Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Although I think Star Wars, the first Star Wars, was on NES. Mm-hmm. Do you know if these got NES ports? Uh, I don't think so. Mm. 
Yeah. I mean, 94 would have been really late for an <laughs> NES game. Right. Yeah, I guess, I guess the, you know, there were, the, like, the Star Wars game on Game Boy was, I guess, closer to what the NES game was. Mm. It wasn't based on the Super Nintendo game. But yeah, that's... Uh, Did you mention, I don't know if, if I missed it, but Han Solo was in the Carbonite, right? Did they show... Is there a scene where he is freed from that? We get to play as Han Solo? I, I didn't see that happen. Okay. I don't remember how I don't know if they addressed that at all. I mean, there is like a sort of like a brief cutscene where kind of Leia like kind of looks like he's rescuing... She's rescuing Han. Mm-hmm. But then that's when Jabba shows up and, and no, captures everyone, you know? Okay. No Boba Fett, right? No mention of Boba Fett. Hmm. No appearance. Uh, yeah, that would have been in the, in the scene where, you know... The sail barge yeah, goes right. out, but so maybe that, it'll be like a mini boss battle or something. Yeah, nah, it didn't happen. Hmm. <laughs> they chose not to. Um, I guess the only notable credits here, uh, in terms of re- relation to the game, the direction and design was by Kalani Stryker. He was uh, part of uh, Lucas Arts staff, and he designed and or produced many of the titles that were related to, you know, that LucasArts put out, mm-hmm. related to Star Wars and Indiana Jones and several others. So he was, like, pretty much responsible for many of the other games, including Fate of Atlantis, the previous Super Star Wars and Super Empire Strikes Back games, um, you know, Ghoul Patrol. <laughs> and Classic, yeah. Indiana Jones, Greatest Adventures, and, and, and a lot of others. Um, the game was primarily programmed by Peter Ward. He was the lead programmer on this. He also worked on Super Nintendo ports of uh, Mortal Kombat 3. Mm. He was actually part of the sculptured software part of the, mm, yeah. the team. Uh-huh. Uh, he also worked on the N64 port of Rainbow Six. Um, so, N64 version of Rainbow Six? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Believe it or I not. I don't know they made that. <laughs> yeah. So, Incredible. so yeah, I mean, like I mentioned before, I feel like this game was pretty much a step up from Empire, uh, just in terms of being more playable. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that um, you can now switch to more, you have more choices of characters to play with. Um, you know, Luke has fewer force powers here, and he can no longer switch between using a lightsaber or a blaster. Um, but I think the benefits outweigh that. And, you know, I guess... Apart from that final escape sequence, <laughs> you know, yeah. overall, it's it's a little less ridiculous than the previous game. So you think this is your favorite of the three? Um, it's definitely an improvement over the second one. <laughs> uh, I'd probably say it's a little better than the first one, even, mm. just because there's more to do. But, uh, I wonder yeah. if it'll get a PS4 release. I mean, I would say they would do all of them mm-hmm. if they're going to do... Yeah. They already did the first one, so they might as well do the rest. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So that so, rounds that out. Yeah, I was going to say. So now, is that it for Star Wars games, or are there still others uh, that you might go Who knows? To? But I guess for now, this might be it. For I'm going to take a break and look at some other stuff. play some Battlefront instead? <laughs> no. Chose not to do that. Yeah, it's. Um, I think I want to wrap up some, some open series that I haven't closed out. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to be my goal. Okay. Hints for things to come. <laughs> Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. How about well, you, though? Yeah, I'm sure you so, played some other stuff. Pretty busy week or two. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I mentioned uh, two episodes ago that I was... Wa- I started watching the 
previous season of Doctor Who, mm. which I guess is still the current season. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to continue with it, and I gave up on it for a couple of days, and I was like, you know what? I know how, uh, I think it's Stephen Moffat or something like that, mm. whatever his name is. Moffat? Moffat, yeah. He's uh, he's a writer for it, or was, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes he'll throw you a curveball, and it kind of starts off slow, and then it ends up, you know, going in different directions. So I went back to it, and, you know, the the... Middle part of the season was so-so, but the last couple episodes of the season's really good. Mm. I'm really glad I stuck with it. Like Especially like, the last three episodes, phenomenal. It's some of the best hmm. Doctor Who episodes I've really? ever seen. Yeah. Interesting. Really, really good. Like, almost as good where I wanted to watch them again. I was like, I don't think I absorbed everything. I want to go back and rewatch. I didn't do that, but <laughs> mm-hmm. it, like, I felt it was that well put together. Okay. So, no regrets. It was I, good. I should catch up. Um, yeah, I think you have time. I think they're taking... Because they change writers now, they're taking a year off. Mm-hmm. So, there's no new... There's going to be a Christmas special mm. for 2016. And then the new season starts in 2017, which will be like 2017, 2018, I believe. Uh-huh. So, there's nothing this year at all. Oh, until next year would be when the season starts. So, did you include the Christmas special in your viewing, too? Um, the 2015 I, special? I don't know if that was available on demand. Mm. It might have been. I have to check. It's in. It doesn't show up under the season 10, whatever season it is. It shows up under, like, specials. So, okay. I have to check the date and see if that's the current one or not. Gotcha. I think it's, a, I think it's about the... Uh, River Song, maybe, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I don't know. I'll have to go back. But, yeah, I guess I should probably revisit that, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I also uh, checked out some Apple TV games. Mm-hmm. They haven't updated a whole lot on that, so I've been kind of checking it out every week. But um, there's a game called Badland. It was a game of the year, Apple game of the year for 2013, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had that, so I've had that about two years now. So I finally beat that one. Pretty long game. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty good, too. It's on PS4 also. Mm-hmm. And I think it's on Steam now. Uh, but very simple mechanics, but I thought it was good. And uh, also this game called Breakfinity, mm-hmm. which is sort of like an infinite Arkanoid game. Mm-hmm. You get like one life, and you're just constantly scrolling through Arkanoid board- boards like really quickly. Power-ups, very similar design. I thought it was pretty good. It's a little tricky to play with the little touchpad that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like Arkanoid games always should have a, like, spinner dial. Those yeah. are always, like, the best way. A paddle, you Precision know. Precision matters. But it's not horrible. It's just maybe not the best experience. But it's better than, like, a D-pad or um, an analog stick. Mm-hmm. And I, I dove into uh, some other interesting games that I had lying around. This one's called Typewriter, mm-hmm. and it's rider as in, like, horse riding, <laughs> okay. not writing on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. This is from 2013. A developer by the name of Ex Nihilio. Hmm. I think they're maybe Spanish-based. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, that they might have had... It, because it sort of has, like, educational overtones, I think it might have been funded or part of some kind of arts program or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I played it on iOS... It's available on PC, Mac, Linux, and Android. Mm-hmm. So just about anywhere you want, you can play this thing. It's an action puzzler platformer that takes you through the, I guess, like a brief history of some major typefaces. 
Hmm. I know really? that sounds like kind of boring, wow. probably, but <laughs> I don't know. Typefaces had a history. They do actually. Yeah, they go far back as like the beginning of time. <laughs> if if you want to go that, this doesn't go that far back. Uh huh. But it's mo- mostly dealing with like print matter, like typefaces and print. Mm-hmm. So you control a colon. Uh, okay. <laughs> but not the type of colon you might be thinking of. It's, you're playing a punctuation mark. Uh-huh. And you... So you traverse these levels as a colon. And uh, you kind of control it like a car. It's like the two wheels of a car. Mm-hmm. So even though, like, a typical colon is, like, you know, the two circles on top of each other, when you're moving left and right, it's, like, almost like two wheels. The two dots are next to each other. Mm-hmm. Now... You have very simple movement. It's left or right, jumping, and uh, that's that's pretty much how you control through the whole level. And uh, as you play, you're discovering like information about the font through uh, like just the scenery and some background info that you might see like in the in the background. Um, you know, they might show like newspaper clippings or mm-hmm. just like sort of um, just like text and things like that. Uh, some of the jumps can be tricky. Because these two dots uh, are independent of them. So even though you control them together, the physics of the game and the gravity, the dots will often, like, rotate around each other or spin. And, um, like, there's often times where you'll see, like, a long line that you can, like, roll across. But if you have, depending on how your characters spun from, like, the previous jump, you might have, like, one ball on top of the line and the other ball underneath it. Hmm. Of the colon, and you're kind of like rolling across that way. Okay, so sounds pretty get, surreal. Um, yeah, I guess it is. I mean, hmm. it's definitely something like you probably have never seen before, because like how many games? I think there is one on 3ds that has to deal with like fonts and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not like, really a common theme that you see. Yeah, the like I said, the level designs are based around the fonts, so all the platforms that you jump on and stuff they're all made out of these letters hmm. in different like angles and shapes, and mm-hmm. you know. They, they're put together and layered in such a way to make, um, like, just different platforms. Uh, the graphics and music also reflect the time period period in which the font is invented, hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. There's also asterisks that you can collect per level. There's about six. And they're usually, they're pretty straightforward. Like, typically, as you're playing the level, you just kind of bump into it and you grab it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're in, like, a little out-of-the-area place that you might have to, like, jump back and... You know, maybe try to grab it. But uh, after you, you grab those, it unlocks a journal entry. And that will give you more details about the typeface. And you can read up on it in case you're curious. Hmm. Uh, all, each level also contains the entire alphabet of letters. So as you're moving along, you can collect like A, B, C, D. And, you, you know, you, can, you don't have to. But mm-hmm. if you do, at the end of the stage, it'll give you like a, a little journal, a piece of paper. And it'll fill in all the alphabets for you. So you can kind of like zoom in and look at the typeface. And hmm. if you're interested in, you know, really knowing what the top typeface looks like. Uh-huh. Um, they cover nine fonts and they're all pretty typical. Like, I don't think anyone has not seen these before. It's Gothic, Garamond, uh, Didote, I think it's pronounced, Clarendon, Futura, Times, Helvetica, Pixel. And mm, uh, Pixel font was interesting because that has a very... Uh, Space Invaders retro arcade feel uh-huh. to that level. So you might appreciate that. Unfortunately, you can't choose your level. You have to go in order. Mm-hmm. So each one unlocks the next level. 
Okay. There's also a hidden level for Comic Sans. Oh, And that's okay. kind of like a joke. Uh-huh. But it's there, and that level actually is pretty tough, because it's a one... You have one life per level, so you have to get through the whole... And it's an auto-scroll. Mm-hmm. You have to go through the whole level in that one life. So I had a lot of trouble <laughs> with that stage. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, overall, I think it's a clever way to teach you about, like, history of fonts, and, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of maybe... Unless you're a designer or... You know, into typography, it's sort of not an interesting subject to teach or, you know, want to read about. Yeah. Um, the game itself, I felt, was a little flat. Uh, on At least on the... I was playing on the iPad. The frame rate seems to dip a little bit on certain parts. Like, it seemed like I couldn't handle the graphics. And I didn't think the graphics were, like, that special or out of control or anything like that. Uh, the platforming is a little clunky. The level designs were sort of, eh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Even though it sounds like, you know, because all the platforms are made out of, like, typography and stuff. I, I didn't feel like it ever went over the edge of creativity and, um, like, really inventive, sort of like... Like, when you look at some really good typographers, like, um, I don't know who they are nowadays, but, like, when I would study it, like, Car- Carlson, you know, the old Wired magazines, they were doing crazy stuff with typography, mm-hmm. and I never feel like the game captured that, where it's like, whoa, like, this is all, like, works of art I'm looking at here, you know? Uh-huh. But, you know, I think it's a great concept, and... Interesting idea, yeah. Yeah, I think it's okay checking out, if you can find it, like, cheap, just pop it in and look at it, and still the puzzles are still kind of fun, it's just nothing that mm-hmm. I don't think I would ever go back to. Cool. What yeah. was that called again? called typewriter oh yeah okay yeah <laughs> any any like serif versus sans serif like battles i mean is, is it no it never each stage is specific to that font so uh-huh. it never okay. really gets comes into play yeah so like stuff like that like they never play up which i think would have been uh-huh more interesting and you're always a colon yes you're always a colon and never, you're always never a semicolon huh no. <laughs> I guess that would be a step down. That would be probably a step down, but that's an option. That should have been an option, mm-hmm. maybe. Okay. It made the game much more difficult. Uh-huh. Neat. Yeah. Uh, I also tried this other game. This is a real interesting one. It's called Blitzcrank's Poro Roundup. Mm-hmm. And this one is from 2015. It's developed by Pure Gang Games. It was published by Riot Games. Huh. Now, have you ever heard of Riot Games? Yeah, they make like one of those... League of Legends. One of those, yeah, MOBA games, right? Yeah. So this one's on iOS, PC, and Android. Mm-hmm. And I'll follow up on this at the end. There's more info about that. <laughs> okay. But the story of this game is it's a mini-game based on the characters from League of Legends. This character, Blitzcrank... Now, I don't know anything about League of Legends, mm-hmm. other than that every time I put on Twitch, it's always like the number one streaming right. game on Twitch. True. But, um, you know, uh, those type of games sort of not my thing. You know, I don't have the patience and time. Mm-hmm. But, um, so this character, Blitzcrank, he's from the game. And uh, you must save his Poro characters. These, like, these little fluffy furballs. Mm-hmm. From this monster, this monster's belly called Baron Nasher. <laughs> and these are also characters from the game. Uh-huh. So the, the, the background of this game was that it was released to celebrate... The launch of two arcade-themed skins from the League of Legends game. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, in this game you can buy skins for your characters, and they're like little pixel, like uh, 16-bit looking characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big part of their business. Is it okay? Yeah, buying skins. And so stuff. I guess it was a big deal, and they wanted to somehow 
launch it in a special way, and they made this game for that, mm-hmm. just specifically for that. So some of the more interesting things about this is that it's actually a reimagined modern version of Activision Stampede. Okay. So they took, like, the, you know, the Stampede, and they just substituted, like, these characters in it, hmm. which was kind of cool. Uh, it retains the pixel look of, uh, like, Stampede, yeah. but it has more of a 16-bit vibe to it. Uh-huh. It's much more detailed, Okay, but still pixelized. So instead of a horse, you're controlling a robot, which is that Blitzcrank guy, and you move up and down, and just like Stampede, it auto-runs, and these little herds of Poros are moving towards you, and instead of a lasso, you have an extendable arm that you can grab the Poros towards you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, each the herds of Poros are, you know, some move fast, some move slow, uh, some of them will have, like, shields on them that you have to hit twice because you have to break the shield and then mm-hmm. you know some of them don't want to be captured i guess <laughs> i don't know the stories of these characters but some of them emit a poison gas uh-huh. and you have to wait until their kind of gas dissipates <laughs> and then you can grab them right so there's like a little bit of more strategy than just um you know regular stampede they add a little bit more extras mm-hmm. there's also sometimes an enemy will pop on the screen like a little wizard guy, and he'll transform the Poros into, like, shields or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of grab him quickly, otherwise he's going to make the game harder for you. Uh, just like Stampede, if the Poros are going to go past you, you can sort of bump into them, and then they'll run forward into the screen, mm-hmm. you know? like Just like the original. Um, they don't make any mention to Stampede at all. Yeah, So at no point, like, do you ever... Just, I guess, if you are a classic gamer, you would get the connection. Yeah. There's 11 stages, and there's boss encounters at, at the end of each stage. Hmm. And also, the boss encounters are referencing, you know, reference char- characters from the game. So, I have no clue, like, who <laughs> these characters are. But they give you, like, a little... Uh, it's all uh, pixelized, you know, nice animations, and a quick little story of, like, who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of brief. And um, well-animated... And each fight is very unique. It's not like a simple, like, pixel swap. Like, all the characters are kind of the same attacks. The bosses are very specific. They usually have three modes of attack. So you knock them down, and then they'll have, like, a different attack mode, and then a third attack mode. Most of them are fairly easy. Some of them are a little bit more tricky. But um, it it, it broke up the gameplay, I thought, pretty well. Um, It has a I think this game has a lot of replay. You earn gold coins through the level. And uh, with the coins after the, like, in-between stages, you can unlock new playable characters, which are also referencing to League of Legends characters. Mm -hmm. And some of them have, like, different strengths and weaknesses. Some of them you can use as, like, helper helper characters for your robot. And then you can also get power-ups, like little buffs that you can add for your Mm -hmm. your character, too. Uh, I didn't really dive too much into it. I have, like, a ton of coins, but I didn't... I didn't know much about, like, who these characters were, so I didn't know, like, which ones I want to unlock and which ones I don't. But um, at least, like, it kind of gives you a little bit more playability if you're into that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's pretty much it. I mean, you get the achievements, too, as you play, if you want to do that. But um, I think if you're a fan of Stampede, which I am, it's one of my favorite Atari 2600 games. Yeah. This game is great. Like, I didn't know going into it what, if I was going to like it or not, but I was hooked on it immediately. I was like... I got to play this in one sitting. Like this is this is a great game. 
even not being a fan of League of Legends or knowing anything about it, it didn't take away the fact that this game was fun and the characters are cute looking, very colorful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only downside about this game is, and this is why I mentioned in the beginning that it's for iOS, you know, and Android and everything. Mm-hmm. You can't get this game anymore. <laughs> really? Yeah. If, for some reason, this game was only launched for this League of Legends like release of these arcade skins. Uh-huh. So you had until September 21st, 2015 to buy the not buy this game it was a free game. Yeah, to, right. To download this, and if you missed that date, it was gone. They pulled it. It's, it's totally pulled. It's not on any. It's not on Steam or their website. You know, whatever. It's not on Android, and it's not on the iOS store anymore. Hmm, that's too bad. It's even deleted from my downloads. So if... I mean, I have it backed up to my computer. Yeah. But if I deleted it from my iPad, and I didn't have it backed up, if I wanted to, like, download it from the cloud, it's gone. You can't even do that. I wonder why they did that. I don't know. It's so weird. I was re- I was looking on Reddit, like, just to read up on it, and people are asking the same thing. It's like, this game's really good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a shame that, you know, you can't play it. You can't even... You know, get it on... I guess if you find, like, a, a cracked copy or... Yeah, I guess that's the only option. Yeah, you could probably do... I'm sure there's an APK for Android you can grab it on. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of a shame, because it's... I thought it's a really great game, and it's fun. Mm-hmm. But, unfortunately, most people won't be able to play it. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad. Yeah, yeah. Very weird. Very strange. Huh. And I think... I, you probably only had maybe, like, a month to grab it. I'm glad I did. And when I did it yeah I, I should check more often if i would have known i would have grabbed it on android too and pc because you know now that i know it's gone it's kind of like a <laughs> mm-hmm. well i'm sure there's places to find it i'm sure you know you have connections <laughs> you have also types of sources and... well i think there's even just alternative um ways to download android games I don't... yeah i mean ios might be difficult unless you jailbreak but on android definitely might be easy and on PC, I'm sure it's really easy. Mm-hmm. I just doing a, a Google search. I didn't find it, but I'm sure. Yeah. If you put a little bit of work. Into well, it. I know for Android, there's a lot of um, a lot of those games are like the free to download games. Anyway, uh-huh. a lot of them are are available on on other sites like um, like Goody Reader is is a, oh, okay. is a website that reviews a lot of you know they they review tablets and e ink readers and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, they look at it from a from an ebook perspective, uh-huh. but because the Play Store is not supported on a lot of these devices, what they do is they have their own sort of like a um, third party marketplace. They have their own kind of market, but it's not it's not an app. It's just on their website, mm-hmm. so you can go to their website and search for a particular like um, you know things that would be in the Play Store. But you know, as a free download, for example. But okay. but you know, they'll let you they'll let you download the installer directly for it. So they they store it. So they might have they might still have this if you know if they weren't explicitly directed to remove it or something. Because it looks it sounds like they they kind of removed it on on purpose from all of yeah, these stores. Right. The, and I guess the only downside would be that, especially on on more and so on tablets, is is the. As new updates for the operating system come out, those games may not work anymore. Oh, right. I guess that's probably why they pulled it, because Riot Games probably doesn't want to spend the time to update these So you these think games. it's an iOS 9 issue, maybe? No, well, it might be a future, like iOS 10 maybe update. Like uh-huh. They don't want to deal with broken... They're just saying, all right, this was a one-shot deal, and we're not 
we're not releasing any updates. If there's right. any issues, you know, we're watching a promotion for their main. Game. Yeah, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? But okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> Maybe I'll find it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. I would say check it out, but I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> and what was that called again? It's called. That's a good question. Blitzcrank's Poro Roundup. Wow, that's complicated. Name. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it should be pretty easy to find. Based on that unique title. Yeah, right. Right. So that's, a, yeah, it's not some generic name. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Well, we haven't talked about uh, happenings in the news for some time, so maybe there's a couple of stories I, I thought this the week. world just stopped for a while. I don't know. Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> there hasn't been, like we said, there hasn't been a whole lot of news. Right. But so. it, there were a couple of things this week that, yeah. that were kind of in, of interest, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first story was about Electronic Arts. Uh, we all know and love EA, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, there's a story now that Electronic Arts will not be participating in E3 in 2016. It's pretty big news. At least in the sense of having a booth on the main floor of of E3. Um, right. And they're going to do... Mm-hmm. They're kind of going to break off and do their own thing. Okay. And they're calling it EA Play. And this is going to be an event that is going to be happening in parallel with E3, uh, a few, you know, like a block or two away from the LA Convention Center, where mm-hmm. the main event is occurring. Um, that in the parking lot, like Ouya. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, they're going to be. It's going. This is going to be an event at at Club Nokia, which is like a, a reception space nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, it holds about twenty three hundred people. So it's going to be. Free to attend. You don't have to be really? a member of wow, uh, of the press huh. or a member of you know. You don't have to have an E three badge. This is just going to be open to anyone. That's so, unusual. Yeah. So yeah, I guess their their focus with this is going to be like, hey, we want to show our games not just to journalists and mm-hmm. other industry people. We want to open it up to the fans and have it wow. available for anyone to be able to see. Okay. Now, from what I've heard, now, I've never been to E3, but you have. And mm-hmm. I've heard that the EA booth can get pretty nuts. It was a big uh, kind of a booth. I mean... And this is with a restricted crowd. Right. So right. what do you think about it being in its own place? You'll have more room, but you're going to have... Potentially. Potentially also unlimited amount of people. Okay. Yeah. From what I remember of the EA booth, I mean, they were always... The big booth that you, f- the first thing you see if you enter the South Hall, and it was a big panoramic style booth, so it was a very open space. Uh-huh. You step into it, and they would have sort of this 360 degree like LED screen that wrapped around the Ooh. whole booth, and so you could look around in any direction, mm-hmm. and you would see stuff like moving around. And yeah, obviously EA publishes a lot of games, so they always had a lot of stuff to show off. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess you know, like you mentioned, like. You mentioned Ouya and how they kind of went guerrilla style. Yeah. And um, they kind of had a confrontation with the E3 um, organization, right? Mm-hmm. Like the ESA, which is the company that, that puts on, uh, or, you know, the group, I guess, the Entertainment Software Association, they put on E3. And I guess they they were trying to shut down Ouya to prevent them from doing this because they want, if, if you're going to participate... If you're going to take part in the E3 festivities, they want you in-house, on the floor, where I guess they can charge them floor space and stuff. Yeah. They don't want them sh- just opening up their own thing across mm-hmm. the street and kind of bypassing the whole, That's what they the don't whole event. But... But and yet, 
<laughs> yeah, this is exactly what EA is doing. Right. And yeah. it's and they're not the first one. We've had already Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think they have floor space. I think they just do their own. They do, do they, their own. They, They've always been part of E3. As far do they as still I know. have floor space? Maybe not as much. Um, they don't do the keynote. Yeah, maybe anymore. they don't. They don't. Maybe they don't do that. I mean, okay. that's what you're thinking. They just do their own thing. But they do the treehouse stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, in Japan, Nintendo has typically not participated in TGS, the Tokyo Game Show. Okay. Which was kind of their E3 equivalent, sort of. Um, they always used to do their own thing too over mm-hmm. there. Um, so yeah, who knows? This is and Konami's not there anymore. <laughs> well, maybe and they've been there for up till I think this year. Konami, I think even even if they didn't have any games, they didn't want to lose the space. Well, so. they had Metal Gear and they had Pro Evolution Soccer. Those uh-huh. were always their big console yeah. games, uh, and they would always show off a lot of mobile games too because they, they yeah. do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, we'll see. We'll see what this Sega leads to. Probably doesn't. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, EA is probably one of their bigger clients that they sure. had for E3. So I wonder how this affects things. Well, they did. It, it must be a pain in the neck for journalists because now it's like, all right, well, we have to like split our day somehow between doing this, or at least then, spend some time over there. Yeah. And then I wonder if EA. I'm sure they're still going to do their private stuff, like outside of, like showing like um, behind closed door demos and stuff mm-hmm. you know to journalists and yeah well they they haven't said what they're going to do in terms of uh you know booking private sessions or okay you know they did have their big you know e3 like their pre-e3 conference that they would show off a lot yeah, of stuff right. at so show that, off the new madden that hasn't quite <laughs> been discussed um I, they did they, i think a spokesperson for the ESA did kind of react to this news and they, they put a positive spin on it. You know, they said that, you know, we need e- money. <laughs> E3 is still the, the kind of the place where people come to find out what's happening in games. And we look forward to EA's contributions to E3 week and we can't play, wait to play their games ourselves and all this kind of thing. <laughs> so, you know, they're trying to put a happy face on it, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know what that really means. In terms of, you know, maybe this is just something they're trying out. Maybe EA figures, let's just try to put the focus on us by having our own private little event and see see how that pans out. So it's almost like a PAX setup now mm. for them. Because, like, you know, PAX was open to public and EA right. always had, like, a little booth. Not a little, but they had a... Sort of. I would say, you know... stuff going on there. If they wanted to make it a player-focused event, then yeah, why not Why not more heavily invest in something like PAX, where yeah. that is explicitly a fan event, you know, where, where there is a big crowd already. Mm-hmm. Um, doing this during E3, just that, you know, in LA, I don't know if that necessarily opens you up to, to you know, more fan-focused type stuff. Um, but it gives I, them more control of what they can do, what they can... Right. Uh, set up and um, mm. as far as like streaming things and yeah I'm sure it gives them a little bit more control well I, I guess Sony is of a similar mind because they do that, that PlayStation Experience event they feel like right, hey yeah. you know we want to have our own kind of a thing where we can capture the full attention of, of mm-hmm. everyone that that week and you know focus on our own thing so I guess they sort of are at least of a similar mind so the industry is evolving, mm. changing. This is. It's also worth noting that back in 2007, okay, E3 did implode. I mean, 
it used to be this big spectacle of, you know, uh, 75,000, 80,000 attendees swarming. You, know, you like showed me some Center. photos with, like, the Space Channel 5 dancers <laughs> and... It was always back a big in the party. Dreamcast days. Uh-huh. It's like Disneyland for gamers. That's yeah. what it was like. But but in 2007, a lot of the big attendees kind of turned their back to the event, or at least made it clear to the management that hey, you know what, this is costing us millions of dollars to attend this show every year, and we're not quite sure we're getting the exposure we want. Mm-hmm. You know, so they scaled way back. They had a private little thing. It it, it shrank down to I think. Less than 5,000 attendees. Wow. Uh, they had a private little thing at a hangar in Santa Monica. Really? Uh, yeah, just, you know, like a very small event space. Rather than have this giant booth that you can walk into, all they had was like a simple kiosk with like a couple of stations that you could walk up to and check out a game or two. And it was limited to just people. Did you go that one? No. Oh, it was okay. the first year that I stopped going. Mm. Because it was no longer open to anybody who can get a pass. Now you had to have like an, expi- an explicit invite to attend. Okay. And it was really almost by appointment only. Wow. You know, where people could just kind of, you know, like they have their list of, of booths that they can hit up for the day. And there was no big show floor, really. I mean, it was very, very limited. And in 2008, they went back to the LA Convention Center. But it was still pretty stripped down. It was only... It was only in the sort of like this connecting hallway between the two main halls. So it was still very small. And it wasn't until 2009 where they kind of went back to a big booth, sort of uh, like almost like this, the previous spectacle level. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they kind of decided, well, maybe this scaled down approach isn't quite right. And, you know, we like the attention and the excitement that, that E3 used to generate. So we want to we want to go back to that. So I don't know. I guess these companies they kind of seesaw between these these attitudes of like, yes, we want to be part of the big festival, uh-huh. and or no, we want to do a more controlled thing where we're sort of the focus of everything that's happening. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe this is just a kind of a halfway point. They're like, all right, we want to have our own private space and we want to make it open to anyone, but we still want to do it during E three and you know right across the street or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I guess I guess we'll see how that works out. Maybe it's maybe it's the future. <laughs> Hard to say. I guess we have other things. Oh yeah, this is the free uh, free games this week. <laughs> we have free games. There was a free <laughs> PSP. There was Take, a new game released for PSP. Sort of charge that thing up. New game, <laughs> new game coming out. It's, unfortunately, it's it's a canceled, unfinished game. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, but a surprising one nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was a game that was scheduled to be released for the PSP. Uh, It was a Saints Row game in part of the Saints Row franchise called Saints Row Undercover. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess this was supposed to tie into Saints Row 2. This was kind of. Oh, wow, that's how far back. So it's going back a little bit. Uh, Developer Volition, though, um, you know, they kind of uncovered that they had this game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess it's been undercover all this time. And they decided to just release it to the public, uh, release it for the fans to check out and, um, you know, make it available for download. So I was able to grab a copy of uh, the ISO for this Smart. game mm-hmm. and um, I decided to try it out just to see what oh, it was. Did. Yeah. I mean, they basically said that, you know, it's they, they abandoned the development on this game. They said it just wasn't working up to be something that they wanted to release. Mm-hmm. 
Which happens. Um, yeah. A lot. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And I guess uh, uh, this website, Unseen64, okay. talked about this game a bit. And um, after that story came out, the developer Volition went ahead and said, okay, guys, here it is. You can uh, check it out for yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Smart. So it's cool. I mean, I guess they, they knew that it had no commercial value. Yeah. It was an unfinished game for a discontinued mm. system. Now, so. so you played it. How unfinished is it? it it's pretty rough. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah. It looks, it looks definitely looks unfinished. Mm. Um, I, I loaded it up in uh, the PSP emulator for for Windows called PPSSPP. Okay, I have that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's available on Android as well. Um, and... You know, it looks roughly like what you think that type of game should look like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of an open-world, GTA-ish inspired type of game. Uh, but yeah, definitely rough around the edges. I, you're forced to go through this uh, training mission when you first start up. You're being uh, what seems like... It seems like you're being trained. You're, you're, you're kind of in police force, and you're being trained to go undercover to, to get... Uh, to infiltrate like the street gangs and uh, learn more about what they're doing. <laughs> so you have to f- sort of go through firearms training initially, and then you're kind of turned loose in the world. Um, during the training, I, I had to repeat it twice because I got through it. But then the last part of the training is to throw a grenade mm-hmm. at a target. And unfortunately, what ended up happening is I threw the grenade, and the grenade got caught in the awning... That's like over the the gun range where you're supposed to stand. Yeah. And it actually ended up exploding and killed one of the other cadets. So it said, like, you've killed one of your cadets. Mm. You, you have to, you know, and I had I failed the mission, I guess. So I had to start over. And this time I, I made sure I was I'm, clear. I'll remember that the next time I'm in training with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do not give Leon a grenade. <laughs> don't stand near me if I've got yes. a grenade in my hands. <laughs> And, uh, you know, after going in, into the world, um, I did a couple of missions. One of them was, like, you know, get some information about where this crime boss is holed up. Uh, and then another one was, um, you know, you have to, you're trying to join a gang, so you have to go through some kind of initiation. Um, and it turns out to be some sort of just a random, like, fight arena kind of a thing. Mm. You're thrown into an arena with, like, three or four other perspective you know uh recruits yeah and i just got pummeled there i I was getting you know you don't have any weapons all you have are your fists and i just got trampled eventually and my character died and that was it the game stopped i wasn't able to progress Hmm. so i don't know if they just that part was missing yeah i was gonna say i wonder how it because it's unfinished like do you get to a point where you just see like um like net numbers and letters on the screen because the game crashes or uh-huh. like how do you know it's when you get a point where it's something well i mean i would say just do safe states frequently and um you know if you end up in a dead end where you can't progress you, mm-hmm. gotta, you have to kind of revert back to a previous save and maybe avoid that situation mm. you know so i probably wouldn't have taken that so like a lot of textures missing and yeah i mean it, it looks unpolished yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot of detail. Wait, to a lot did they of ever things. have a Saints Row game on PSP? Was that- I don't think so. Okay, so that would have been the first one. I guess so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because the first oh. game was Xbox 360 exclusive, mm-hmm. and then the second game came out multi-platform. So yeah, if this was related to the second game, I don't think it was anything else. Interesting. I wish more companies would do it. I can understand why they don't, but 
it's uh, it's always nice when like even when you have an old Atari game that's uncovered, like a prototype or you know like mm-hmm. any console doesn't matter what it is. But to see it on a modern one is even more interesting because these are usually some pretty right in depth games. Like you know, there's a lot involved, mm-hmm. so you don't always see yeah stuff like that surface. You know, yeah, and I guess the other thing is you know obviously people mod their PSPs too to be able to run. Come games. on, get out. <laughs> I don't know that this this game will work on a modern PSP because huh. I think it's looking for a debug console. Okay. So I don't know I don't know if it's got all the right hooks to be able to run it. But I guess if the emulator does it, maybe maybe a modded one can work. Mm. But I'm not sure. Okay. I didn't I didn't I didn't try that. So you you, you know you may not see like people trying to burn it and then try to sell it as <laughs> Well, it would be tough. You don't you don't burn PSP games. You, because uh, it comes on UMDs. Oh, you can't burn those. Those no. are like mini discs or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. No, there's no methods for for writing your own. Right. It was always, you know, being able to launch it from a memory stick. That was mm-hmm. a, that was the only way to do it. Okay. Yeah, so that's uh, interesting, and I guess it's still available for download over at Unseen sixty four hmm. if you want to grab a copy for yourself. What is Unseen sixty four? Is that it's a Proto's site. Is it not doesn't deal with just N sixty four though? I no. Guess. Okay. This is you know any any type of unreleased game. Hmm. They 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 like to dig up. I'm have to check that out. Yeah. So that's it for another episode. We'll uh, reconvene again next time. Uh, yeah. Next week we're actually off. Uh, we've got a vacation week coming, so mm-hmm. uh, please join us again uh, in two weeks' time. Yep. Yeah. But visit us on Facebook in the meantime. Drop us a note. Yeah. Feedback is appreciated. Yeah. Uh, OBBfeedback at gmail.com is also an option. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll see you then. Okay. See ya. See ya.